0: Hi, I'm Luke.
1: And I'm Kaylin. And And this this is Death Death Row Dialogue. Dialogue.
0: This is a true crime podcast where we talk about death row inmates and their last words.
1: And this is one of those special episodes that is an out-of-state. An out-of-state means not in Texas for us, but for somebody in Tennessee, this will be an in-state for them. Have you been to Tennessee?
0: I have never been to Tennessee.
1: Me either. It's on our list, along with like forty-seven other
0: Everything states. else. Yeah. <laughs> um. How did you pick Tennessee?
1: Um. I am going off of the last five episodes, so the most downloads in each state from the last five episodes, and um, after Texas, for that is Memphis, Tennessee, and. I think it's one person from Memphis has listened to the last four episodes. So that is how I chose Tennessee. And that's how I'll choose them from here on out. I'll look at the last five episodes. And if it's Tennessee again, I probably won't do Tennessee like twice in a row. I'll go to the next state that has the next highest.
0: Just so we can kind of get some from every different state.
1: Yes. Um, But this has been eye-opening because I didn't think that... Uh, Texas and Oklahoma are the most popular with death row, but Tennessee did have a lot, and that was like interesting.
0: A, more than 100?
1: Uh, Like, overall? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but also, so the Texas list goes back to 1976, you know, when they reinstated the death penalty. Yes. But Tennessee's goes back to, like, 1913.
0: With, like... <laughs> The electric chair? Yes. Oh.
1: Yeah. So you can go to, you know, their, I can't remember if I got the list off of Wikipedia or if I got it off of, like, their criminal justice site. But, um, yeah, you can go back there and it tells you what their crime was. And Tennessee is more of a, I don't know how to say this. Like, Texas, there has to be, like, a death. a death occurs and then you're on death row. Right. But Tennessee, I think that they also do rapes. Rapes are equal to deaths in Tennessee.
0: And that was even from, what'd you say, 1913?
1: Yeah. Like the first one from 1913, it was a rape. It wasn't a murder.
0: And this one that we're covering now is, it's one from, since they started lethal injection? Yes. Okay.
1: So, um, I decided to not go back that far because obviously there's not going to be a lot of information and I wanted to keep it consistent with our Texas episodes of being when the death penalty was reinstated with the lethal injection.
0: And I mean, I feel like all the ones we've done so far have been in with like, not their deaths, but the crimes themselves has been in like a 20 year period.
1: Yeah. From like the
0: early sixties
1: yeah to 70s or the 80s yeah yeah so um i'm ready to get into it if you are yep i do want to do a little not disclaimer because obviously we're talking about true crime so you know that you're going to be listening to things that are hard but i think this episode is going to be very hard it deals with children and it does deal with sexual assault so i just want to tell you now in case you don't want to listen to that or if it's an episode that you choose to skip. So, with that being said, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So, this is about Robert Glenn Coe, and he was born on April 15th, 1956 in Hickman, Kentucky. He was born to a low-income family, and it doesn't say when he moved to Tennessee, But it says that he did attend the Gleason School in Gleason, Tennessee, which is in Weakley County. So at some point, early childhood, he moved from Kentucky to Tennessee. So he had a really bad home life. Like, his father was a drunk and um, would masturbate in front of him and his younger sister. So he was exposed to sexual acts at a very young age. Um, He also would force Co and the youngest sister to watch him rape the oldest daughter. So, he was definitely traumatized at an early age with...
0: He didn't, wasn't even given, like, a fair chance at all.
1: No. And this is, like, where the... But this
0: could have also been, like, generations of this happening.
1: Yeah, a cycle. Of,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and so, I mean, it's kind of one of those things is, like, if his childhood did not have this negative sexual influence, maybe he wouldn't have had negative sexual experiences in the future.
0: I mean, that's the whole nature versus nurture. Yeah. And I mean, whenever you're looking at something like this, it seems obvious that like, of course, you know, like he went through all these terrible things. Like he's going to have trauma.
1: Yeah. So, um, He did have a history of drugs, mental illness, and did have indecent exposure charges. It didn't say, like, when in his life that this happened, but it was mentioned. Um, So, the crime happened on September 1st in 1979, and Coe was 23 when this happened. So, the drugs, the mental illness, and the indecent exposure happened before he was 23. So, um, the victim was Carrie Ann Medlin, and she was eight years old. She and her brother were riding bikes in their neighborhood in Greenfield, Tennessee. When Co pulled up in his car and pretended to know their father and, you know, probably struck up a conversation, something like, hey, I'm visiting your father, can you tell me which house is yours? And, um, Carrie... Was like, oh, I'll just show you. Like, I'll get in the car and I'll lead you to my house. So um, she got into the car with Co and she was never seen again. So as soon as Carrie was reporting missing, it doesn't say how long that was. I'm assuming once the vehicle drove off her brother by Tome and told their parents.
0: Well, especially if he sees the car go off another way. Yeah. I. It's kind of hard to say, like, where they were at. Or anything.
1: Like what kind of, like if it was a cul-de-sac or like.
0: Yeah. Or if like, you know, if their house is right there, mm, you know, it's not a problem. But if they're like two, three blocks away, Mm -hmm. he's going to have no idea where the car is going.
1: And so after she was reported missing, there was friends and neighborhoods or neighbors that began searching for her or the car she was seen with. And this was a really tight community. So like everyone was looking for her. She was found the next day on September 2nd at the end of a road on the outskirts of town, her her body was found. And the autopsy showed that she was sexually assaulted. So after the crime, Co came home and told family members that he killed someone. Like He just told them, like, I killed someone. And they didn't believe him. And I don't know if that was because of the mental illness or the drug situation, but his family didn't believe him until they started hearing about Carrie, like, throughout town. And, um, once they did hear about Carrie, the family divided and half of them tried to help him escape and the other half turned him in.
0: Who are these? Who is his family though? It didn't say. <clears throat> Cause like,
1: I, don't know. I, I doubt
0: know. his dad is still in the picture, you know?
1: Yeah. It was probably his sisters and his mom. Right. But it, it didn't say, um, he did have two sisters. So, um, maybe one went one way and one went the other, but. It says his family did buy him a bus ticket to Georgia. So they were trying to get him out of the state. But the other one found out about the bus ticket and told the police. And he was captured at the bus station. So he was arrested on September 4th, only three days after Carrie was taken. He confessed three days later. Full confession, detailed. So this is his confession. It's not word for word. It's paraphrased paraphrased he drove carrie to an isolated spot on the outskirts of town then masturbated in front of carrie making her watch which goes back to
0: exactly what he went
1: through his childhood you know the cycle continues um he then said that he molested and raped her in his four grand torino or somewhere in the vicinity it's not sure if it was in his car or if he got her out of the car um, he then became angry with her because she was repeatedly telling him, Jesus loves you. It doesn't know if this was happening during the assault or if it was after. But um, that was a prominent thing that he said was that she kept saying, Jesus loves you. And that's what angered him. Kind of like the crime we did a while back where... With the
0: older lady. Yeah. And they took him up to the church.
1: Mm-hmm, that one. Right. So that is when he decided to kill her.
0: I just want to say what what a brave girl, you know, to be eight years old and looking this monster in the face and just saying these powerful words.
1: Yeah. Sorry, I have chills. Yeah. But he, um, yanked her out of the car by her throat and he was planning on choking her and she turned blue, but he, I don't know what, I don't know if he just couldn't look at her and kill her, but he decided not to strangle her that he couldn't do it. So he told her to walk down the road, which is awful because she's now thinking, like, I'm gonna I'm getting away. Like, I'm going to live. He told her to walk down the road, and he followed behind her and ended up stabbing her in the throat, making her bleed to death from the stab wound. And she died quickly after that. And he just left her there. So that was what he confessed three days after the crime. So... After the confession happened, I don't know at what point, but then he started demanding he was innocent and that he never did this. I don't know how you can say you're innocent after you give this detailed description of what you did.
0: And, like, everything matches up to...
1: To the autopsy right. and...
0: The location.
1: Yes. So, um, his lawyers tried to say that he was tricked into confessing and that prosecutors withheld evidence that Co was in another town during the murder. I never saw that anywhere else except for one news article. Um, It also said the prosecution dropped charges against another suspect who matched the eyewitness descriptions of the kidnapper.
0: Can you imagine? Jeez.
1: But eyewitness testimony is notoriously not reliable. And he he gave a detailed account of what happened. And the only eyewitness that was Said to have been at the kidnapping was the brother and it never said his age, but I'm assuming he would be close in age with Carrie, so around the age of eight. So, and he she might even have been older if she was the one to volunteer to take him to the house, yeah. So, I don't know what eyewitness testimony they're going off of by the descriptions of the killer that they're talking about. Um, but advocates advocates for co also said that he was a paranoid schizophrenic and may have been trying to please the authorities by giving them this confession but once again it's a detailed confession for you to be just saying it to make someone happy
0: yeah well it's very specific
1: yeah um so but it it would make sense like the mental illness has been brought up again so maybe it's not Maybe it's more of like a multi personality thing, they are switching to being innocent after giving this detailed account or
0: Well, I I was thinking like, you know, he just killed someone. He's gonna be like so in shock, he's gonna wanna do drugs. So he probably got super high and then the police got him and then Yeah. He, you know, just told them everything. And then once he's sober after being in jail, he's like, oh, I got to get out of here.
1: Like, I shouldn't have done this.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So this all happened in 1979. He wasn't executed until 2000.
0: Wow, 20 years?
1: Yeah, 20 years. He was executed on April 19th of 2000. And I think this is the latest execution we've done. Oh. I don't think we've gotten even into the 90s in the other episodes we've done. Um, this was the first execution in Tennessee in 40 years. Oh, wow. They were on a very long streak of not doing executions. Um, he was executed at the Riverbend Maximum Security in Nashville. He was 44 years old when he was executed. And he was arrested at 23. So, like 21 years.
0: Almost um, the whole life he lived outside of prison, he lived inside.
1: Yeah. I don't know how nice Nashville's Tennessee is, but I wouldn't want to be there 20 years.
0: Yeah. Especially on death row.
1: Yeah. And like, I don't know and how many, I
0: was going to say the crime you're in there for everyone is going to hate you.
1: Well, and I don't know how intensive their death row was because he was the first one in 40 years. So was anyone even on death row or were people just getting off of death row before they were executed. But, um, so at the execution, Charlotte Stout witnessed it, who was Carrie's mother. So I don't know if he asked for her to be there or if she just said, I want to be there. I don't really know how their witness process works. But after the execution, she made the following statement to the news reporters. And she said, we are grateful that the judicial system has finally, after 21 long years in the state of Tennessee, honored, remembered, and fulfilled its obligation to Carrie Ann's right to live. She had a right to live, and he took that from her. Please do not forget Carrie's words, Jesus loves you. These are her legacy to her killer, to Robert Coe's family, and to us. My child will finally rest in peace. Coe's family decided to not make a statement to the police, but it is said that when Charlotte was making the statement, they could hear the sisters sobbing in the background. Um, I don't know. I'm sure it's because her brother just died. But it, they made it sound like it was especially when Charlotte was talking the "Jesus loves you" part. So he did have multiple stays. He had two in the months of March and April to assess his mental competency. But he was found competent in the end, and he did die at one thirty-seven a.m. And his last words: Are you ready? Ready. Right. Where I love you all with my heart and soul. I forgive the state of Tennessee for murdering me for something I didn't do. I'm not guilty of this crime, and that's the God's truth. So. Disappointing. His last meal was fried catfish, white beans, hush puppies, coleslaw, french fries, pecan pie, and sweet tea. Well, wow. And um, there was some social uproar about his death being scheduled. There were a hundred, there was varying information. One said there was a hundred and one said there was 150. So I'm assuming in that range, opponents of the death penalty that came and held a candlelight vigil on the prison grounds on the day of his execution. And 18 people were arrested at a protest that happened at governor Dan. Sidinquist's house after he refused to block the execution so he had gotten stays and there was some I'm pretty sure this was around an election in Tennessee and the governor they were wanting the governor to block the execution he was saying no I'm not doing that and so a lot of people came to protest and there was 18 people arrested that night one of them was 16 year old Jacob Christman and he said to the police, I don't see the reason behind killing people who kill people to show that killing is wrong. So I thought that was an interesting statement.
0: I feel like there's a lot more to it than that.
1: Yeah. I feel like that's a 16 year old point of view.
0: That's probably something someone said. To
1: yeah.
0: I don't know. It's, uh, it's tough. I mean, the, I'm glad we're at, we're at where we are now. Like people know to teach your kids safety, stranger danger. And if you don't, I'm telling you now, teach your kids stranger danger. Uh, there are predators out there, even locally, even if you're, you know, traveling somewhere, I mean, rather be safe than sorry. I don't think you need to be paranoid all the time, but definitely, like, don't leave your kids unattended. Make sure they have a way to, uh, you know, be safe. Things in place. Uh, so, like, even if there's a fire in your house, know where y'all can meet outside of the house. Stuff like that.
1: There's, like, a lot of things. And I'm sure I mentioned in the past episode that, you know, like, I am in the law enforcement field. I do 911 call-taking. And like something that I really wanna stress to people with children is make sure they know your real name, make sure they know their address and your phone number. Because I cannot tell you enough how many times there's lost children and they don't know their mom or dad's name, they just know their, their mom. They say, my mom's name is mom and they don't know their last name, they don't know their address. So it makes it really difficult to help these children that don't know anything. And so even just teaching your kid your name so that they know that my mom's name is this. Um, so that's something that's super important. There's something else I forgot. And t- make, make sure they know how to call 911. Oh, I remember um, having a code word with your kid. It was something that my mom did that, you know, we walked in my hometown. The library is not far from the school that I went to. So we would walk to the local library and wait for our mom to pick us up there. And she'd always told us, you know, if somebody comes up to you and says like, Hey, my mom told me to pick you up today. Like they have to give you a code word because, you know, if somebody comes up to you and says, Oh, your mom told me to pick you up you're like, okay. So that's something else you can implement with your kids is having a code word so that They know that they can trust somebody.
0: Well, I think now it's even gotten to the point of like the teacher has to know who's picking them up before they even get in a car.
1: Well, that's, but this is with like walking because like I walked somewhere else. The teachers weren't there. Right. You know, Yeah. but yeah.
0: I mean, they have done a lot of things to make things safer, but it's always good to have these these, uh, structures set in place.
1: Yes, it's definitely gotten a lot better since when I was a kid because I definitely went home with somebody I wasn't supposed to in kindergarten my mom didn't find out until hours later. She went to pick me up at school and I was not there. So, yeah, definitely um, it's gotten better. (laughs) But um, that was Tennessee for you. Um, Definitely an upsetting one. We will have another state for you next week. Don't forget to tune in to our Texas Ones and share with your Tennessee friends.
0: Yeah, thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye.